0: and read from it this morning. Very well-known chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. As well-known of a chapter as it is, it can really never be known enough. Our text this morning will be the last verse, verse 13 of chapter 13, but we'll read the entire chapter actually I'll do do slightly more than that I'm going to read the last sentence from chapter 12 and the first two words from chapter 14 with all of chapter 13 in between and I I show you a still more excellent way if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love I am nothing and if I give all my possessions to feed the poor and if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It, does not, it is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things. Believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I also have been known. But now faith, hope, love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. Pursue love. Let's pause one more moment to pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Bring alive this living word from God in our own minds and hearts and change us as we consider this verse 13 from 1 Corinthians 13. Transform our new year as we consider your word and the light it sheds on the year before us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I've occasionally had the privilege to go to some sort of Alcoholics Anonymous or 12-step program with somebody who is coping with an addiction and working through what that looks like to strive against it lord willing to overcome and one of the most moving things i've heard over and over at those opportunities i've been privileged to have is people who shall remain, who shall remain anonymous but they have a beautiful testimony that just goes like this wherever i go there i am and as i think about the new year and this idea that we have where we um, make resolutions or maybe in a more general sense just think about goals and aspirations and hopes and dreams that we have, very quickly we realize, don't we, that whatever year we're going into, there we are. And whoever you were that fell asleep during the last moments, minutes, seconds, hours of 2023, when you woke up in 2024, there you are. All of the same things are true about you. You're just a few hours o- older, a few minutes, seconds older. And you might have resolutions and goals and hopes and dreams, but there you are with you to contend with. Reminds me of that delightful story of G.K. Chesterton, a journalist, prolific author, who was one day asked. What is wrong with the world today? And his simple answer was, I am. What is wrong with 2024 today? The simple answer, I am. It's very humbling to think about this, just being honest with myself. One week into the new year, and I've already broken all Ten Commandments and all my resolutions. And what's so upsetting about that is that if you asked me how it was, I would say, oh, it was a pretty good week. (laughs) And I would mean it. We are contending with ourselves. And it reminds me of Romans 12, verse 2, which is just such great instruction, especially for a new year and the first Lord's Day and service and sermon on in the new year. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It doesn't just happen. You don't get to write out your New Year's resolutions, put them under your pillow, fall asleep on December 31st or the wee hours of January 1st, wake up, and then boom, all those resolutions are accomplished. doesn't work like the tooth fairy. Instead, you have to come to God's word and say, Every day, every moment, really, every Lord's day, every opportunity I have, I need to be conf- not conformed to this world, not running on inertia, not just continuing as I've always been, not maintaining the status quo, not conformed to this world, but renewing my mind. It's activity the pursuit of holiness. It's progress in sanctification. It's the pilgrim's progress. It's your pilgrim's progress. And for me, this is what it looks like. It's probably similar for you. Moving from one calendar year into the next is a time of putting off certain things and putting on other things, and That's quite literally true with the calendars that we use to organize our lives. We literally put off the 2023 calendar and take on the 2024 calendar. 2023 is now history, but we need a 2024 calendar for the present and for the future. And it's an opportunity to put off other things from 2023 and put on better things for 2024. Not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that brings me to our text. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. But now faith, hope, love. Abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. And sometimes it's just so helpful to look at a verse like that and realize all the things that it doesn't say. Anxiety, anger, frustration, fear, despair, cynicism are not mentioned in this verse. Neither are they listed as fruits of the Holy Spirit. Faith, hope, and love abide these three. The fruits of the Spirit begins with love you see as an alternative you can place yourself by the transforming and renewing the renewing of your mind you can be transformed by applying yourself to faith hope and love that abide leave as it were anxiety anger frustration fear despair cynicism leave that in 2023 Abide in faith, hope, and love. If you're younger and taking notes, or even drawing a picture of some sort, I'd encourage you to draw a triangle. And you can label the three points of the triangle, faith and hope, at the bottom and the upper point of the triangle is love. And I would challenge you to think of that triangle in terms of a pyramid, even though it's flat on your paper. Because what Paul describes in this one verse is a three-dimensional sort of faith. It's a lively faith. It's a joyful faith. It's really delightful, encouraging in every way. The best of alternatives to anxiety, anger, frustration, fear, despair, and cynicism comes by abiding in faith, hope, and love, the three corners of this pyramid, this triangle. And there's two things that really stand out in this verse. One is not clear in the English, which is the word translated abide. In the original, that word abide is a verb the way it is in the english translation but it's a singular verb and i don't want to read into that too much but i think it's significant because he's just given three different things so it's fascinating that under the inspiration of the holy spirit paul uses a singular word abide to describe three different things faith hope and love in some sense he sees them as one thing it's one list one triangle one pyramid with faith and hope and love at the top. One unity or a triad with these three different points. And then what's fascinating is that he singles out love as explicitly as he does. The greatest of these is love. That's why love is at the top of the pyramid or at the top of the triangle on your paper, but Those two elements of this one simple verse will guide us through considering these three different virtues, these three different characteristics that belong to the Christian, that are for the Christian, that are the way of renewing your mind, being transformed away from the ways of the world. Faith, hope, and love. Isn't it astonishing that the whole Bible is so focused on the idea of faith? And you you go into another religion, and it doesn't work that way. Like, visit another religion out there, and very quickly you get to, you know, five pillars or 613 precepts or the good life looks like this or, you know, you can't eat this, you should eat that. Scripture from beginning to end, Old Testament through the New Testament, is just caught up over and over with this idea of faith. Over and over, it's saying, do you believe the Lord is there? Do you believe the word of the Lord? Are you hearing the Lord? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You see, in that command from the Old Testament, it's saying you have to have faith. In this God, you must hear him. You must see him as one who is speaking to you. The entire Old Testament is about believing in the Lord who has spoken. And of course, that comes into great clarity in the New Testament. But I think even that's astonishing as the New Testament is written by different human authors. But you could go through each one and just see over and over the focus that is put on faith. The entire Gospel of John, over and over, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus, in that Gospel, over and over, saying, Do you believe this? Do you have faith in this? The Apostle Paul, we've been justified by faith. The Apostle Paul, we have the gift of faith through grace. Not, it's not of works. We have no reason at all to boast. Because the salvation that we have received, this justification, is through faith. The author of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, an entire chapter that interprets the entire Old Testament, saying, by faith, by faith, by faith, don't make the mistake of making Christianity into a works religion. It's not. It's by faith. It's by faith. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. Have to begin with faith. And in so many ways, that in itself should be an encouragement to us, because what I'm not up here doing, and what hopefully no minister of the gospel ever does, is say, you know, here's 16 things you need to do, and then maybe you'll be in good standing with God. But instead, I can come and say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and according to the testimony of his entire word, Old Testament and New, you will be saved. And I mean that. Listen to these verses that you know. Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know what's so beautiful about those two calls to faith and belief? They're New Testament quotations of the Old Testament. The entire Bible calls you to this sort of faith. The special revelation of God, his revealed word, says... Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised and be saved. Today is the day of salvation. As long as it's today, as long as we have another day to call today, it is the day of salvation. Think about the centurion looking on the cross at Calvary and how simple his profession was. Truly, this was the son of God. Think of the thief on the cross and how he had no opportunity to do any labor work for Jesus Christ, but simply articulated a faith in Jesus. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Don't Know about the centurion and the thief at Calvary who did it, and be here as one who leaves without calling upon the name of the Lord for your salvation. Trust in the Lord. Call upon the Lord. Believe in the Lord. Assent to the Lord. Depend on the Lord. The other thing that's so exciting about faith as we've looked at it in various verses is that within faith, within this activity of believing on the Lord, looking to him, claiming a name that is not your own, realizing you need this help outside of yourself. You can't save yourself, but you have the perfect savior in him. This faith is a recipe for hope. With faith, you have everything you need to get to hope. That's why, as our song that preceded our confession of faith, which was about faith, we sang about having our comfort in Jesus Christ. You can get to comfort or hope from faith in Jesus Christ. Because God is the reason for hope. If God is your reason for hope, you have an invincible reason for hope. Nothing can put your hope in jeopardy if God is your reason for hope, because God is almighty and good. His character and his power mean that the hope he offers is invincible. It can't be taken down. It doesn't depend on the performance of men and nations. It doesn't depend on the performance of you. His character is good and unchanging, and his power is limitless. God the Father Almighty is your reason for hope. So in faith, we have everything we need to get to comfort and hope. And I'm calling your attention. It's probably why I'm preaching on this verse this morning, and I'm sure it's preaching to me more than anybody else. But it's such a sad thing that Christians who have real faith don't insist on moving on to hope. How many times as a Christian have you been wanting, yeah, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I call upon him, he's my savior, I'm a sinner, I have no hope apart from him, he's my only comfort in life and in death, and then you go on to live almost hopelessly during every difficult challenge that life throws at you. And we can be those Christians that just seem to be constantly chewing down our fingernails in nervous energy, afraid to get out of bed for another morning of whatever it might bring. When we have everything we need for an invincible hope that cannot be changed or taken away from us. Live in faith, moving on to hope, to comfort in even life and in death. There's a beautiful thing about hope. From faith, you can get to hope, but without faith, hope is impossible. One more reason we need to begin with faith and insist over and over, especially as Reformed Protestants, that faith is non-negotiable. It is the gift of God, and it's the gift through which we're justified But with faith, we can move on to hope. Without faith, hope is impossible. But in faith, we can move on to hope. And this is true to the extent that the Apostle Paul in Romans 8 says something that should really make you think twice. Pick up your ears. Paul. We've been justified by faith. You know, you know you're going to Paul if you want to prove that point, and you should. That Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in Romans 8.24, says, For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he already sees. For in hope we are saved. Paul's saying the sort of hope that I'm talking about includes the faith that justifies, the faith that brings you the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You can't have that hope without first having faith. So he can say, in hope, we are saved. But think about how important hope is to the Apostle Paul. He's not content with saying, well, I believe, but help my unbelief, which is where all of us are at one point or another. No, he says, I move from that hope, uh, from that faith into hope. I believe my faith is such in the power and the character of God that I have hope. When I pray and confess God the Father Almighty, I am reminding myself to believe that he is good and all-powerful and that therefore I have every reason to hope. Look at how simple chapter 13, verse 13 is. If I was writing that verse, and I'm glad we get this from the Apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit instead, I would just have like qualification after qualification after qualification. Well, if you're in this situation, it might be very hard to hope because you're gonna be so down about this, and you know, life works out in all of these complicated ways, and you know, but Paul doesn't say faith. Hope, love, abide, these three. All the things that any one of us right now could apply our minds to, to punch ourselves down into black holes of turmoil and restlessness and despair and frustration and anxiety. We can turn from by having the simple faith of a child and saying, you know what? He doesn't call me to that he knows all the ins and outs of your life he knows all the things that are distressing and upsetting he calls you to faith hope and love sometimes we just need to stop there oh lord i'm so upset about this family member oh lord i'm so upset about my own remaining indwelling sin how often i fail you I'm so upset about where my children are. I'm so upset about my relationship with this relative or that relative. I'm so upset with the nation, the government, politics, the world wide. Faith, hope, and love abide, these three. Instead of living in frenetic restlessness, go back to faith and pursue it until you land in hope. And see that as an invincible hope in the unchanging, all-powerful, good God, who is your Father through faith in Jesus Christ. You see how thinking about that, coming back to the Triangle Pyramid, it makes the faith two-dimensional. It's not just this kind of brittle, I believe in the Lord, but who knows what's going to happen. I believe in the Lord. I have every reason for hope on every single day that I live. What else could have possibly animated the Apostle Paul to do all that he did? Faith, hope, and then the third point of the pyramid, the top of the pyramid, the top of the triangle, love. Love. The greatest of these is love. We'll get to how it's the greatest in just a moment. But for now, let's just look at love and observe this. As sad as it is to have faith, but very little hope, it's even more sad. It's even more upsetting when there's actually faith and hope, but an absence of love. Paul himself has already said this in the chapter that we read. If I have faith so as to remove mountains but have no love, I'm nothing. And I'm I'm sad to say this. I've been one of these Christians and I've certainly seen Christians like this. I have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have hope of the new life and the new heavens and the new earth. But does that translate into love For others. Is that reflected in the way you speak to your spouse? The way you speak to your children? The way you speak to your relatives? The way you speak to your brothers and sisters in Christ here at the church? How often have you heard truth? In the harshest way imaginable. And don't tell me Christians don't do that. We're awesome at doing that. Faith. Hope is nothing unless it brings love. And it should bring love. How could we ever look on another sinner and have nothing but condemnation for them when we are those who receive no condemnation? How could we need a hope like this and have found such a great hope as this? and not be saying, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. It brings you to that humility that we saw after the confession of faith, and also that joy, so that as wretches saved by Amazing Grace, we can speak to unbelieving friends, loved ones, co-workers, bosses, neighbors. <laughs> and the speech won't be nothing. Nothing. It won't be a noisy gong. It won't be truth and harshness. But grace and truth. The truth spoken in love. Faith, hope, love. The three points on a triangle or pyramid. But then Paul says, put love at the top of that pyramid Because the greatest of these is love. And as exciting as it is that faith is what's required of us, so through faith we have access to the righteousness of God and fellowship with him, and that this hope is invincible as long as it's grounded in the character and power of God, his goodness and his almightiness. The greatest thing in this triad is love. And you got to stop and think about that. Paul's saying, get this fixed. These three abide. Abide in these three things. But intentionally single out love and see how it's the greatest. So here are some ways to realize that. Within love, there is an inherent otherness. There's an otherness about love. I don't think the Holy Spirit through John in 1 John could say God is love if God wasn't Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, triune. Because love includes an inherent otherness. Love has to include at least two. The uh, Trinity is three, and you can say God is love because the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father and the Holy Spirit is proceeding from the Father and the Son, maybe there's no better way to summarize the Trinity than the way John does under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in 1 John 4, saying, God is love. But notice how that's not exactly true with faith and hope. I can't believe for you. I can't have hope. I mean, I can hope good things for you, but I can't have the hope that you need to have. Comfort, faith, hope and faith, those are so personal, They are between you. They are within you. It's what you're called to. But when it comes to love, it requires another. There's an inherent otherness about love. There's one showing love, and there's one receiving love. There's the subject loving, and the object receiving. And because that's true... already being one reason to see love as the greatest, it is our God and Savior who best demonstrates to us what love is. Your God and your Savior. Jesus is God. God is love. Jesus is God. The law. The law is love. Jesus said, here's the summary of all the laws, whether you're thinking about them in Ten Commandments or 613 precepts. It all comes down to love the Lord your God with your heart, strength, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. I'm absolutely convinced the reason why TV and music and the world that we should not conform to is constantly at work diluting the meaning of the word love into it being something that really is a lot more lust than love, is because love is so sacred, so powerful, so divine. Think about all it's summarizing. Your God is love. Jesus is God. The law is love. Obedience is love. When you read Jesus was obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross, you're reading Jesus loved God perfectly even to the point of his death on the cross and he loved his neighbor perfectly all the while as well which is why the centurion professes faith and the thief does as well and he prays father forgive them they know not what they do the law is love god is love think of how this just ties everything together in that one word love God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. You love because he first loved you. The greatest of these is love. Love never fails. Another thing we read verse 8 in chapter 13. Faith and hope serve a specific purpose for us here, right? Paul, in that verse, uh, Romans 8.24 that we read before, said, you don't really hope for things that you see. So, you know, when you get to the new heavens and the new earth, when you get to heaven, when you see Christ in person, when you're standing before the face of the Lord when you're in his immediate presence, the role of hope, insofar as we understand it right now, has been fulfilled. It's come to pass. The thing you hoped for has happened at that point. And that's true of faith, too. The things you you believed. You won't need to walk by faith, not by sight. You can walk by sight in the new heavens and the new earth. You can walk by sight in the presence of God. Faith and hope are fulfilled when we go to be with the Lord after this life. But you know, it never ends. You know, it never fails. You know, it goes on forever and ever and ever. The love that you are learning to have right now. And Paul's say, saying this, he's talking about tongues and prophecy having passed away, and we know this whole world is passing away along with our calendar months and years. And he's saying, but this love never ends. Is the greatest. It's a training ground for it. In your family, in your marriage, with your neighbors, your coworkers, your boss, your church. You are learning the greatest love that comes from God who is love, who says that obedience is love. And it never ends. Now. Right now. You get to partake of the serious business of heaven, which is joy. By loving and applying yourself to loving others the way you have first been loved by God. Anxiety. Anger. Frustration, fear, despair, cynicism. Those are so 2023. Leave them there. Abide in faith, hope, and love, knowing the greatest of these is love. Father, we know how